0: financial decisions. You face them at every turn. Do you ever feel lost? Do you ever feel like you might be missing something or making a mistake? Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner at Step Right Capital Planning.
1: Welcome to Step Right with Lynn. Our topic today is Position Your Child for Success, and I believe that's every parent's goal. My guest this week is Steve Blakely, and we're going to talk about the four character traits that every child must be taught to manage money well and how to foster the development of these character traits. Steve is a certified parenting coach, author speaker, and the founder of Parenting with Leadership. When parents apply the four leadership principles in Steve's book, Parents can solve over 80% of the typical child and teenage misbehavior they encounter. Steve's book is called How to Lead Your Child to Success. Welcome to the show, Steve.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: So, Steve, how did you get involved doing this work involving parenting and leadership?
2: Oh, okay. Well, this is a great story. Perhaps I'll, I'll give you the very short version of it. (laughs) My wife and I have a special needs child, and we experienced a lot of failure. In fact, my wife bought over 20 parenting books, and over a seven-year period, we consistently got nowhere with his behavioral Mm -hmm. issues. And so we uh, really took a break and uh, just resorted to some prayer to say, God, please show us. Mm -hmm. And seven months later... We believe we had an answer to that prayer when we heard a fellow by the name of John Roseman on the radio being interviewed, and he said, I'll tell you why most of the parenting advice fails to work. And that Mm -hmm. caught our attention. And basically, we bought one of his books and we implemented it, and we said, Hey, this is all about changing us, not our child.
3: Mm -hmm. And it
2: was all about us becoming leaders. And when we made that switch, our son's behavioral issues changed. We basically had to transform family within a matter of a few months.
3: Wow. And so
2: that led me to, wow, this is this leadership is so powerful. And it later, a couple of years later, led to me taking this jump to move from the corporate world to setting up my own practice of helping other parents out.
1: Wow. That is a great story. So... In your mind, are the two words, parenting and leadership, are they the same thing? Are they synonyms? Are they...
2: They're they different, but they go together, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Me as a parent myself, and I was a leader in the corporate world. I, I was an executive in a technology company, and I understood mm-hmm. leadership. But for some reason, in the home, I didn't think it applied to raising kids. I don't know why. Wow. I just had a different viewpoint there. And so did my wife, who was trained in in business as well as psychology. But we just understood raising kids had to be different for some reason. And Uh when we realized it didn't, and we could apply these leadership principles from the corporate world to our home, you know, what effective leadership is, uh, we were so relieved. And it made our job so much more joyful. And our home became a home of peace.
1: Yeah, that's that's very interesting that you speak of segregating the different parts of your life. You know, this is the way I behave here, but I behave a different way here. Very
3: interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So as a parent coach, you've identified four character traits that every child needs to know to lead to their success. So what are those four character traits?
2: Well, before I mention them, I would like to just start with some humor and okay. a little bit of background to how I write to them, and then it will make a lot more sense when you hear them. Okay. Steve Burton once said, the comedian, said, I love money. I love everything about it. I bought some pretty good stuff, and he lists some of the stuff. Got me a $300 pair of socks. Got a fur sink, a fur sink. <laughs> an electric dog polisher. <laughs> a gasoline-powered turtleneck sweater. And, of course, I bought some dumb stuff, too. (laughs) My point of this is, in addition to sound financial advice and education for our children, if they don't have some good characteristics, in this case, for this person, good judgment of what Mm -hmm. is a good purchase and what is not, it's going to be very difficult for them to be successful with, the best financial plan, and the best financial advice. Right. And so that's my whole point of or angle that I'm coming at with these four characteristics is looking at what are good characteristics of adults who manage their money well, Mm -hmm. and then taking those characteristics and working backwards. So in my practice of parenting with leadership, I teach parents to always look at the end goal first for their children. So in this case, we're talking about money. Look at that end goal, which is them living on their own as adults. What are those important characteristics to persevere well through whatever financial advice they receive? Okay. And then work it backwards and make sure you as parents allow your children each day to practice those characteristics so they get good at it. And Mm -hmm. then when they become adults, they'll already have that fundamental base there. Okay. And so the four characteristics that I saw in common when I observed adults who manage money well is, number one, delayed gratification. Uh, These Mm -hmm. people are patient. As an example, this adult will save for that family vacation first as opposed to taking it now and taking on expensive credit card debt.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So that's the first one. The second one is resourcefulness. These adults are resourceful or creative with what they have, and they're able to still reach their goals. Mm -hmm. And the third one is organization. Uh, That's an important skill if you plan to track your money or live within a budget or to have a financial plan to your success. A core ingredient there is being organized. Mm -hmm. And the fourth one is self-discipline. This is the ability to stick to your plan through the adversity of life. You know, there's a well-known quote that says, it's easy to meet expenses. Everywhere we go, there they are. (laughs) So having that self-discipline to persevere Through that adversity. Right. And so, those are the four common things that I've observed in adults who manage money well. And Uh so, my focus for parents who are listening today is giving them some tools and tips for how they can integrate these characteristics into their children's daily routines so they can practice those characteristics and become very good at them. So, by the time they do, as teens and adults, deal with money they have a good base to work
3: mm-hmm. from.
1: So delayed gratification, that's our first characteristic. More about what that means and and why is it important to managing your money well?
2: Well my definition of delayed gratification, the short version is really just the ability to wait patiently. In the case mm-hmm. of managing your money well, the ability to forego short-term temptations for long-term gain. Let me give you an example. If you're a young professional just starting out in your career, the delay gratification, the ability to forego short-term temptation for a long-term gain, applies with planning for your retirement. Being able mm-hmm. to maybe say, perhaps I shouldn't buy that new car right away. Maybe just buy a used car. Save with the savings I have start investing that for my retirement 30 or 40 years from now.
1: right, creating a little bit of balance there. So when you talk about children waiting patiently, like when you describe delayed gratification as to wait patiently, we can see why we would desire our children especially to be able to do that. How can we teach that with children, and then how do we relate it to our goals around money?
2: One of the things I recommend for parents to get their children practicing delayed gratification on a daily basis is to have them do an abundance of chores. Chores in the morning, before school, chores after school, and chores after dinner. And I strongly recommend to parents that they do not pay their children for chores. And the delayed gratification here is. As parents, you're going to motivate your child to do the chores by withholding the fun stuff they want to do in their spare time, like Mm -hmm. children that love to watch TV or play video games or play with their toys or or even participate in organized evening activities like sports or arts. Mm -hmm. I would make those always conditional on the work being done first. So it really teaches your child on a daily basis, that delayed gratification concept that I work first and then I play.
1: Yeah, I would say that in the home I grew up in, that was certainly expected. There were things like, you know, practicing your music before you went swimming and that kind of thing. Mm hmm Mm hmm So waiting patiently. So how easy is it to motivate children, you know, just by saying you've got to get this done before you do that?
2: Well, I recommend parents take a leadership approach. So a good leader will have the discussion, have the conversation with their child one time, then post the expectations so it's clearly visible every day. So post the chore schedule. Okay. And then never remind again, never warn, and just let the child learn by their own mistakes. All and right. so they'll have a Situations where they will forget a chore, or out of rebellion, not do the chore, and the evening will come, and maybe there's an organized sporting event where they're part of a team, and maybe your child's a a pretty important player on that team, and you announce to the child, "I'm sorry, you're not going. the The chores were not done, or they weren't done to my level of quality,
3: Mm -hmm. and
2: to go through those experiences of not being able to go, and Mm And those are what makes it very memorable to the child. And they only need a few of those. And now they realize, oh, mom and dad's rules are firm, Mm
3: -hmm. they're
2: consistent, and it's up to me to solve it and do it if I want to participate in these fun things that I want to do.
1: Yeah, I can see that. That's the tough part, I think, for the parent, though, (laughs) right? When the team is counting on your child being there, but but you have to stick with that decision. I can see things breaking down at that point if you're not really strong.
2: Well, and what I recommend to parents to help them through that is focus your attention on the long-term goal. Then you'll be able to make wise decisions in the short term because you're always basing your decisions in the short term on what advances my child closer to that long-term goal. And and that helps you make wise decisions. If you instead, kind of the opposite of that is making decisions based on the short term, such as my child's feelings, you know, my child's happiness. That's how you can get yourself into trouble right? in terms of, of moving away from your long-term goals. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. these are great teaching opportunities, I look at them, because they're insignificant really in the big picture if your child misses one game and lets the team down well yeah it's it's unfortunate but in the big picture it, if it motivates that child to correct their ways through that experience when they grow up and have you know situations where where they're not inconsequential they'll hopefully be better prepared
1: Yes, I can appreciate. This is very similar to making goals and sticking to them in many other situations because what I tell people is you need to know what it is you want, what your retirement is going to look like, or shorter-term goals as well. But you need to keep your eye on those in order to keep you on track. And so I I really appreciate that explanation of that as well because it really is you know knowing why you're giving up one thing for another to make those decisions in the short term i think that we will go to our first break now we're certainly fascinated by this subject and we'll get right on to the next character trait when we get back after this break
0: lynn wedham is passionate about being a resource for those who want to find effective strategies to plan their legacy every gift makes a difference and every gift in every will makes a difference. It is Lynn's dream that it be commonplace for everyone to consider effective planning for their favorite charities in their estate plans. What if you found a way to make a far bigger impact than you ever thought possible? Lynn's five-step process makes it easy to maximize opportunities for giving you may not know exist. You can reach Lynn at 519-448-3477 or by email at at lynn.stepright.ca. That's 519 448 3477 or by email at lynn
1: at steprate.ca. Welcome back. My guest today is Steve Blakely, and we're talking about positioning our children for success with money. Steve, you've suggested that children have chores, and you know, you've really suggested that there's in the morning, after school, after dinner and that doing the things they want to do is conditional on having the chores completed, and that, you know, this is how they're going to really learn about the real world is what, you know, I can kind of see there. But I'm going to say likely you don't start when somebody's 15 and then tell them they've got chores at breakfast time and chores after school. And when do you get started with this?
2: I recommend to parents that they start, at three years of age, when their child's wow. three years old, I have clients who I've taught this to, and they've got their three-year-olds setting the table, loading the dishwasher, sweeping the kitchen floor, feeding the cat, <laughs> and wow. and they're amazed. They said, "Oh, I can't believe it! My three-year-old is actually enjoying this, and and looks forward uh-huh. to this every day." And I say, "Yeah, because there's a, a feeling of." Immediate gratification there, like of of a job well done. Look at me. Mm -hmm.
3: Accomplishment.
2: And I recommend you start that early. And by five years of age, if you want a benchmark, a child should be capable of doing up to 80% of the household chores and doing a majority of them on a weekly basis. You know, not just chores during the week, but on Saturdays, extra chores. You know, mm-hmm. vacuuming and dusting and more washing floors. Kids are fully capable of doing that.
1: Even the way you say it, you make it sound like it's fun.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think you're right. Now, when I was a kid, If I went to my grandmother's house, I much more enjoyed doing that kind of thing, though, than I did in my own home. I think chores can still be chores, but, again, good positioning for the real world.
2: Exactly, and my son, he likes, he's a teenager, and, for example, on Saturdays when he does his chores, he likes to have the radio playing in the background, you know, Mm -hmm. the countdown Mm -hmm. of top hits, and Mm -hmm. that's something he enjoys while he's doing his chores, and I'm perfectly okay with that. You know, if that helps him get motivated, you know, and he starts Mm -hmm. getting his energy going with some good beats that he likes, and I'm all for it.
1: For sure, yeah. So what if we didn't set this basis from three years old and five years old? How do we teach a teenager? You know that we all knew so much more when we were teens. We knew everything about everything. You know what it is, that know-it-all teen. How do we teach them this delayed gratification?
2: Okay, well, one example for teens is this. Teens are motivated by freedom and money. Those are things all teens want. Mm-hmm. And parents are motivated differently. They want to see their teens grow their minds during these teenage years, you know, get a good education. Mm-hmm. And so I love, just as a real simple example, what John Maxwell said he did with his kids that brought a win-win situation together, and that's this. He chose certain adult books that he found were very inspirational for him as an adult or Mm -hmm. very good for teaching him certain things as an adult. And he said to his children, if you read this adult book and you answer some questions about it to verify you're at it, Mm -hmm. I'll pay you a good chunk of money for it. So rather than, you know, going oh. to one dishes for $10 an hour, I'll make it worth your while to read instead and grow your mind. And I love that approach. It's a win-win for both the parents and the children because the teen is learning and putting into practice delayed gratification. It may take 20, 30, 40 hours to read that book. Right. And that may be spaced over several weeks,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: it's teaching and putting into practice that concept of delayed gratification.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's doing a lot of things. There is delayed gratification there, but we're also making an importance on learning too. You know, mm-hmm. we're saying it's important to learn and it's important to, depending on what kind of books these are, you know, it's important to develop yourself and character. Yeah, teaching probably a lot of things with that approach. So, we're really getting close to our next break, if you can believe that or not, but let's take a look at the second characteristic you mentioned was resourcefulness. We better touch on that before this break.
2: Sure. Uh, well, my definition of resourcefulness is really this, being creative with what you have in order to reach your goals. We've all heard the saying, it's not what you earn, it's what you save. Right. And and that's really what this is all about is like for example this is why it's important for managing your money you're going to have phases or periods in your life where your finances might get a little tight like buying your first home
3: mm-hmm. or
2: as billy crystal said and this is about being in a relationship or or marriage he said this it's money i remember it from when i was single
3: <laughs> so that
2: approach that as you get into a relationship or get married, yeah. of course, that's going to maybe cause a season where you have to be resourceful, or, or even when you're a parent. You know, yeah. there's another saying yeah. a father is someone who carries pictures in his wallet where his money used to be.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, Certainly, and so a lot
2: of
1: demands, uh, lots of demands on families today. That's right. Yeah.
2: And so it's yeah. important to learn this skill. And not only that, outside of just the context of money today, when our children get into the workplace, one of the challenges they're going to face is they have to be resourceful to be successful in their career because companies will say when you join them, guess what? This year, we're going to grow our business by 10%, but guess what? You're not allowed to change the cost. You're not mm-hmm. allowed to hire mm-hmm. any new people. you got to figure out and be resourceful and creative for how you're still going to grow this business or right. it may be on cutting costs, but that's how the corporate world works. So if your children are used to practicing resourcefulness, not only will it benefit them in their personal lives at home with money, right. but it will also benefit them in their careers as well.
1: So I can think of ideas, you know, people that, that I know that have done things that saved them a lot of money, you know, just just where they were very smart, but how do we explain it to children and how do we develop that in our children? You know, you've certainly explained where it's a very important skill for us today, but how can we develop that in our children?
2: The place I would start is this is where you really have to be laser-focused on the end goal. If the end goal is I want my child to be very resourceful, then a practical way, Mm -hmm. and I picked this up from John Roseman, it's very, very useful. He says simply to teach resourcefulness to your children as parents, say no more than you say yes. So they have a bunch of wants, your children, and you as a parent may be able to financially afford to give them everything they want, but is that good for them in the long term? Is that going to help them become resourceful? Probably not. It's probably going to help them become self-centered and spoiled, rotten, you know, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so instead, you know, if you're a parent living on a fixed income, you know you can't afford to buy everything you want. Right. And so often you're going to hear the answer no quite often from your spouse, or in the business world from your boss. And that's one simple way you can teach resourcefulness. So here's an example: your child may want to buy this brand new bike, it costs mm-hmm. four hundred dollars, and you can afford it as a parent. But you could use this opportunity to teach resourcefulness, such as, well, I'll tell you what I found a bike that is very similar to that one except it's gently used, but it's in great mm-hmm. condition and it's only a yeah. hundred dollars. And so if you go with that option, I'll make it mm-hmm. worth your while. I'll actually split the difference in savings with you. So if cool. the difference is three hundred dollars, yeah. I'll give you one hundred and fifty dollars.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: that's just one way that you can make it a, a pleasurable learning experience for that child to say, Hey, hmm, you know, for depreciating assets, like a bicycle, which, of course, a child isn't going to understand, but, you know, like cars.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes.
2: If you can reduce the amount you spend in those areas and instead use your money on appreciating assets, yeah, uh, you're going to be far better off. And so this is a lesson you can teach young that hopefully they'll carry through and look at those options of perhaps in this simple context, buying used versus new
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: using their money elsewhere that benefits them in the long term. Now, in yeah. this case, with the child, it benefits the child immediately. It's like, wow, one hundred and fifty dollars—that's amazing. Yeah.
1: Or you got to raise fifty by reading books, and then I'll give you the other fifty. It'd be a whole lot of books if you had to get the full four hundred dollars for your bike, right? Right. A lot of hours. And the way
2: it works for parents who don't have much money, you know, like a single parent who's barely making ends meet resourcefulness comes automatically by their right. financial expectations. It's like, no, I can't afford this new bike. So right. the only thing I can afford is $100, and so whatever used bike we can buy for that money is what you'll get.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those
2: kids are learning resourcefulness as well. Right. And, you know, there's more than one way to do it. I just took the approach from the perspective of parents who – have plenty and are able to
1: and and, it, and it's the right their thing kids to everything do. they yeah. want
2: that other options to teach this valuable skill,
1: yeah, and to realize it's not being cheap, it's taking this opportunity to teach.
2: yes, that's right,
1: you know and which,
2: it's easy if you are focused on that long term goal
1: because right. in
2: the short term you're thinking, oh, but that sounds a little mean, you know, not buying my child this brand new bike right. And that's where if you're focused on the long-term goal, you'll see that, no, no, this is just one step that's going to bring my child closer to
1: that long-term
2: goal of being resourceful.
1: Yes, that's excellent. We're going to go to break now, and when we come back, we're going to talk about organization.
0: Is there a contribution that you dream of making? What if you could make a far bigger impact than you ever thought possible? Charitable giving is often presented as something you do when you're extremely wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and designing your contribution at every step around the issues important to you. Learn how clarity about what is important to you gives every aspect of life new meaning. Tune in to Step Right with Lynn regularly.
1: Hello again. Today we're talking about teaching children some principles that will lead to financial success for them. My guest is Steve Blakely. We've talked about characteristics of delayed gratification, resourcefulness. The third characteristic is organization. What do we mean by that? How is that going to be important to teach children to manage their money?
2: What I mean by organization is simply put the ability to organize your money. And we all know that good financial planning often involves budgeting and mm-hmm. tracking some of your expenses so you see where your money's going, and as well as planning for the future, planning for success, financial success. And if you look at those things, that you need to do one of the common ingredients there is organization being able to organize your money it's important to do that because i like what dave ramsey says here you have to control your money or your money will control you
0: and Mm -hmm. so which is
2: it and and that's where organization becomes a very important characteristic for example if you look in corporations And look at their accounting department, these departments are highly organized in terms of tracking where the money goes, tracking the expenses, putting the budgets together, or tracking how they're doing according to the budget. Uh, And it's a very valued thing in corporations.
3: And that skill
2: set is very important to have that organization. And so it's equally important for children to develop that organization. So As adults, when they're managing their money, they are very comfortable organizing it and working with budgets and so on. Mm
1: -hmm. How do we bring this practice to children? I know that it's something that a lot of adults do not like to talk about, to talk about a budget. It has a connotation. People believe that a budget takes away freedom. I try to teach people that having a budget rings about freedom, but how do we get it across to children to do this thing that may seem distasteful?
2: Well, what I recommend is you start small and Mm -hmm. start with hands-on. So here's a simple approach with a child that you can take. Offer to pay that child a weekly allowance, no strings attached, that you'll receive this money no matter what. But also give that child four envelopes. You know, the first envelope can be labeled bills and taxes. The second envelope can be labeled savings. The third envelope can be labeled spending. Mm -hmm. And the fourth envelope can be labeled giving. And so let's use a number here. Let's say hypothetically you choose $10 a week is what you'll pay your child. Mm -hmm. Part of the condition of that allowance is that your child allocates the money that they receive into these envelopes, such as in real life, we don't get to keep everything we earn. And so that first envelope called bills and taxes, $5 of that $10 goes into that. (laughs) And that goes back to mom and dad.
1: Uh
3: Aha. Okay.
2: The second envelope, savings, Well, $2 out of that $10 goes into that envelope. The third envelope, spending. This is the money you can spend however you choose. $2 goes out of that $10 into that envelope, and you're left with $1. One of my values as a person of faith is that my child gives back to the community and specifically gives back to to God. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: and so 10% there, uh, $1 goes into the giving envelope, which will go back to the community, to something that is going to benefit the community. And so it allows the child to learn some of these important fundamentals that I don't get to keep everything I earn and, and I'm learning to organize my money.
3: Mm-hmm. And now
2: this is done physically, it's with envelopes, but it's a way that they can get engaged and it'll be fun. Like when your child can count the money and organize it this way, it's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you can also build on that thereafter. So, for example, in the savings envelope, you could add a lined piece of paper that has three columns. The date that the child can write in where new money goes in, the amount, how much money is being put in, and the current total that's in the envelope. So if your child can do basic addition, your child mm-hmm. will be able to really create a ledger for that account. That savings mm-hmm. account is what they're doing, but it's, it's done in very simplistic terms that's fun for the child. Right. And you can build on that to institute planning. For mm-hmm. example, with the spending envelope, your child may want a new gadget or something that you're being that parent who wants to teach resourcefulness says, No, that $40 item I will not buy for you. But if you raise half of that money, like $20, I'll Mm -hmm. buy it for you. Right. And you can then teach your child how to plan. So you're receiving $2 a week in your spending envelope. Mm -hmm. And you can teach them, well, how many weeks is it going to take if you saved $2 to get to $20? Right. And it will be 10 weeks. And and so you could even create another piece of paper there that that has the plan written out. So the child can almost use like a checkbox to say, yep, this week I put $2 in. Next week I put $2 in. So it teaches them as well how to plan for the future. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: they're just simple things that are very visual for the child that will allow the child to really start practicing on a regular basis these critical organization skills.
1: A real teaching opportunity there on so many levels, you know, the giving, the savings, just the concept that, no, we don't get to keep everything that we make, you know, that bills and taxes envelope. They're all really big teaching opportunities in that. And you're you're kind of turning around that, you know, if it's a video game or whatever it is, that desire the child has for those things, you're turning them around to that teaching opportunity, which is brilliant. Savings. How do you explain savings to a child? Again, it's kind of the delayed gratification, but you're using the spending also as delayed gratification. So how do we explain the savings part?
2: I would describe the, the savings part as I would use it myself more along the lines of this is what you do to prepare for retirement, to prepare for your future, and -hmm. to get them used to that concept that this savings envelope is money that goes in whether it's for their future education or whether it's for their future retirement.
1: Even the rainy day kind of thing, right? I try to use, you know, project accounts, you know, rather than the disaster account, right? It has such a terrible, uh, terrible connotation. But, you know, that just for a rainy day, for something that goes wrong, for a need that comes up suddenly. That's Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so really a lot of good concepts there. The fourth characteristic is self-discipline. So what do we mean by self-discipline and how are we going to teach that?
2: What I mean by self-discipline is really by definition, the ability to self-govern oneself. And in the case of managing your money well, it's it's the ability to stick to the plan through the adversity that you'll face.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, a simple example of that is, I was at a friend's house a couple weeks ago that I hadn't seen in a long time. And he had this amazing TV. It was a retractable screen that came down from the ceiling and then the screen filled his entire wall of his rec room. <laughs> and it, the television was projected onto it and the quality was amazing. It was high definition. It even had 3D. And like I was blown away and I and I was like immediately thinking, hmm, how much do these cost? You know, you'll, you'll run across temptations like that, but if it's not in your budget,
3: Mm -hmm. Do you have
2: the self-discipline to say, no, not now? Mm
3: -hmm. You know,
2: Zig Ziglar said about motivating yourself that people often say that motivation doesn't last. And he says, well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily.
3: Right. Yeah. And
2: it's the same thing of practicing self-discipline. If parents can have their children practicing that now on a daily basis, just like bathing, by the time they're adults, They'll be good at it, and it should be more natural then to them
3: to mm-hmm. practice it.
2: And so you asked as well, how do you develop that with your children? Right. And so a couple things here. I already talked about chores, but that's also another area that it can be practiced because you're not reminding your children to do the chores. You're not giving them any warnings. You're just standing out of the way. <laughs> and letting them live with the consequences when they fail to meet those expectations. So that's one way of teaching self-discipline because they'll have to right. learn by the mistakes. A second one is the homework situation with school. Okay. When a child's a little bit older, you can say to your child, these are my expectations around homework. I will not help you with homework. I will not remind you to do it. It's your job to do it and get it done. However, I've worked it out with your teacher that if you fail to submit completed homework two times in a row, your teacher's going to call me.
3: Okay.
2: And you won't like what will happen if I get that call. Now, chances are you'll probably get that call. And I recommend you make it memorable to teach the self-discipline, such as mm-hmm. say to your child, that smartphone that you find is the key to your social life that I pay for, guess what? It's gone. Gone for 30 days. And Mm. uh, my expectation is you'll finish all your homework and meet the teacher's expectations. And at the end of 30 days, I'll call the teacher. And if you had 30 good days, or how many school days there are in 30 calendar days, if she says you met the criteria every single time homework was assigned, you'll get your phone back. But If she says, no, you messed up once, then we'll wait another 30 days and I'll call our teacher again after 30 days. So you can see it's very memorable to the child because I really want my phone back. That's my social life. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But at the same time, now they're highly motivated to practice self-discipline of, you know, they're going to have temptation around them such as hanging out with their friends and doing that stuff instead of homework. But now they're, So, highly motivated to get their phone back, they're going to start prioritizing and practicing self discipline and doing the homework. Mm
3: -hmm, And, mm
2: -hmm. you know, and I always recommend this is another way of teaching resourcefulness to your child with homework is to say simply, if you can't figure it out, don't ask me because I'm not going to help you. Instead, ask your teacher, ask a fellow classmate who understands it, Mm
0: -hmm. or
2: Google it and figure it Uh out on yourself. Because the sooner you learn to become a self-learner, the better you'll be for life.
3: Yeah. The
2: more ready you'll be to live on your own independently.
1: Yes, that's what I was thinking. It was the independence of doing that. It's amazing, really, how traumatic it is to take a cell phone away from, from your child now, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yes, it is. But those yeah. are powerful things that you can use at your disposal to make these teaching opportunities, very memorable. And often it only takes one or two of those in one specific behavior, and all of a sudden the child will clean up their behavior in all these other areas. Mm
3: -hmm. And that's the,
2: the great fruit of that principle, so to speak. I'll have parents that come to me with a laundry list of 20 things they don't like that their child's doing, you know, 20 different behaviors. And I'll say, let's focus on one. We'll put a game plan in place for that one behavior. And often after a period of six to eight weeks, when they made the transition from disobedience to obedience in that behavior, the parent will also report to me, guess what? Six of these other behaviors in my list automatically went away.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I can see, you know, taking some of these actions being rather traumatic to parents at times as well. So it is really good to know that you only have to do it a few times because that 30 days when the child didn't have the cell phone, you know, just might not be pleasant for the parent either. You're not reminding the children about what they need to do, so you're really reducing the reminders or the nagging from the parents and, you know, all of what that can create as well. This has been really fascinating. I think a lot of really practical great tips here. If parents are listening today and they need more information, uh, what do you recommend they do next, Steve?
2: Well, if they like what they're hearing about this leadership and in terms of focusing on the end goal and working backwards, I have a lot of resources on my website that are free of charge. So by all means, go there and download them and, and start using them. I also have my book, which is a paid resource, but it's all about, Leadership and looking at the end goal and working it backwards, and and so those are some great resources. If you're looking at financial practices in general, uh, well, there's many good resources out there for that. Whether you're trying to teach money to a four-year-old through children's books, or you know, trying to teach a teenager how to manage money. Um, for example, John Roseman has a great book called Team Proofing, and I love how he taught his son how to live within a budget and manage his own money through his teenage years. That really set him up for success. So those are some good examples of resources.
1: That's wonderful, Steve. Thanks so much for being with us today. Wealth of good information. I know that the listeners are going to really get a lot out of this. So thanks so much for being with us today.
0: Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. We hope you'll join us next time. To learn more about mindful money management, we welcome you to go to soundcloud.com and search Step Right with Lynn. We appreciate your follows, likes, and shares. Until next time, remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community.